here we are last week. The first week we talked about agape love and what that means compared to eros love, which is erotic romantic type of love. And we started that in Valentine's Day week. So that kind of made sense there. And then the previous couple of weeks, we've been going over five aspects of what agape love loving like Jesus looks like. And we've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and kind of rolling through these. Um, So I want to do that again this week as we wrap up this series, go through the final five of this love chapter to make sure we completely understand why and how God loves us and how he calls us to love others. And so I want us to do that. But before I did, I had a couple of statistics that I thought was appropriate this week. That, uh, that just really drilled home to me the importance of understanding why we should be loving like Jesus. Because according to the University of Chicago, and this is some, some old stats, so bear with me on this. It's about five years old or six at this point. But according to the University of Chicago, at any given time, there's roughly 20% of individuals in the United States, about 60 million people, who feel sufficiently isolated for it to be a major source of unhappiness in their lives. So in other words, 60 million people feel lonely at any given point right now in America, 60 million. That's a lot of people, right? For older Americans, that number is actually closer to 35%. So you're talking a lot more millions of people who feel lonely. At the same time, rates of depression have been steadily on the rise. Uh, In the 2011 book, Flourish, there was a psychologist named Martin Siegelman who notes that according to some estimates, depression is 10 times more prevalent now than it was five decades ago. All right, so in just 50 years, depression has jumped 10 times higher. Depression affects about 10% of the American population, according to the CDC. So 10% of people, that means one out of every 10 people you're going to meet this week has been battled or battling depression here now. That's a staggering number. Staggering, it should be. And I think I would imagine, I didn't get these, I didn't check these rates, but I would imagine particularly here in New England, in our community, particularly this time of year, right? Seasonal depression sets in too, right? As we get closer and closer to uh, the, the quote-unquote spring, right, and it's supposed to be here, the closer we get to that and the, the longer it doesn't come, the, the more depressed we become. And whenever we don't see the sun enough, the more depressed we get. And it happens to all of us, right? And so there's so many people out there battling this disease, this, this affliction. And so it's so important for us to know why we love and how we are loved so that we can have something to fight that in our own lives and to be able to fight alongside others this morning. So we're going to go through this with the hope that we'll not only grow uh, not only in our understanding of what biblical love is, but in our ability and our willingness to apply it in our own lives and to fight the depression, to fight the loneliness, to fight the heartache that is so prevalent within our community here and the communities surrounding us. I talked to so many people during the week, and I know you do too, that are battling this, that are fighting with depression and loneliness. I've spoken to a guy just last week that's, that had all these other troubles, and he wanted to help with so many other things. But he, he, after sitting down with an hour and talking to me, he said, man, it's just so nice to have somebody who will just sit and listen. There's so many people in our lives that don't have anybody who will just sit and listen. That doesn't take a lot of effort, right? It takes a little bit of time, but not a lot of effort. And that one little thing, that one little attitude of loving someone like Jesus loves them is a huge thing, huge So we're going to go through the last five this morning of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. But I do want to read it. I don't have it up on the screen this morning, but I want to read verses 1 through 8 here. And uh, this is from the the message translation. We've been doing a couple of different translations just to kind of mix it up so you kind of hear the words differently, so you can maybe affect you different ways. Last week, my wife loved the Angela McCord translation, which was uh, really good. So if you uh, haven't heard that one, feel free to look that up 
uh, online. It's out there. That's a really good translation. But this week, we're going to do the message. And so I'll read this, and then we'll jump into these last five. So it reads, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't have love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all the mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep the score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. We're going to go over uh, these last ones here that says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. All right, so here we go. Love bears all things. One One thing the translation says here is love always protects. Okay, that's another way to look at this. To love someone means you cover their faults and their wrongs. All right? That's an awesome thing to think about. When true love, the way God loves us and the way we are called to love others means that we should cover their mistakes. Isn't that awesome to think about? How many people in your life expose your mistakes on a regular basis, right? And you can raise your hand to that if you want to. How many times do people call out, man, you really screwed up this week, right? Yes, I have it. Everybody has it, at least sometimes, right? But here in the Greek, the word stego means to, to bear, to cover up and to hide. Now, last week, if you were here, we talked about how love rejoices with the truth, right? And how love is, is, takes you and, and wants you to make sure that you are better than you were before. True love will say, I know that you are not doing very good right now. I know you're struggling, and I want to help you get to where you're from, where you're struggling, to where God wants you to be. So true love exposes those faults lovingly to help us get better. But also, that means that we should we should cover some of those truths. So what should we do? Should we cover or should we not cover? All right, it's, it's really not about should or shouldn't we. It's about when and how, right? We should lovingly discuss the faults of those we love with them. But the trick is, and this is the hard one, the trick is not to gossip and complain about their faults to others first, right? There's a process here, all right? If you got a problem with a person in your life, whether they, they, you're always around them or you're only around them sometimes, If you have a problem with them, you should talk to them first, right? Try to anyway. Instead of saying, oh man, let me me go talk to let me go talk to my friend Joe, or let me go talk to Fred down the street and tell me all the bad things going on in my life this person's just hounding me about. All right. Instead of going and complaining and gossiping to them, you should go to them first. Now, just to be clear, this doesn't mean you shouldn't ever share your burden with someone you trust, because that's not what I'm talking about. We talked about that last week. But it does mean you should try to work it out with that person before you bring somebody else in. All right? That's hard. That's what we should do. And we do that because loving someone the way God loves us means you protect their honor and dignity. Imagine if someone did that for you, right? 
Imagine if someone cared enough for you that they came to you first and said, hey, man, something's going on. I don't know what's going on. You're doing some crazy stuff, and, and it's really hurting me. I need to talk it out with you right now so we can get this sorted out instead of going to 10 other people in town and talking about how bad you are, right? That would change our lives. That one simple thing would change your life. It would. We do that to protect honor and dignity. The second variation of that word stego is to protect and defend. In an ancient time, it was used to talk uh, to describe a panther skin that covered you like a raincoat, right? So it was a, it was a person who was protected, meaning they had nothing that could damage him or her. Showing agape means defending the honor of others. You know, I joked last week. We were standing around here after the experience, and uh, I was talking to other people in the room, and 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 uh, I said, I don't want to. I try to, I'm hesitant to talk about people in town because odds are you're probably related to each other, right? I mean, this is just how small towns work. There's probably some relation somewhere, either distant or close. And so there's some connection. So I don't want to talk about anybody in some way. But if I'm really loving like Jesus, then I'll not talk about him unless it's positive at any point to anyone, no matter what, right? That's what loving like Jesus looks like. And I'll stand by them when everyone else doesn't. Love like that knows when and how to keep its mouth shut and listen and when to speak up and creates a safe place to talk it out and protect us from doing something foolish. We all want that person in our lives, I think. I know I do. I want that person I can go to and say, man, my week has been horrible. Let me, let me, let me share with you. Let me just unload on you for a little bit. Let me, let me give you what I've got going on and having that space to work it out so that we don't have to carry that burden around, so we don't have to lash out and anger at someone in our lives, so we have that other person to help us along with it, have that person to protect us from doing the one thing that we know we shouldn't be doing this week. That's what loving like Jesus looks like. That's what loving like Jesus looks like. Two, love believes all things or always trusts. Now, when Paul is saying that, when he writes believes all things, he's saying that we should seek to find the good that can be believed in each person and start there. Anybody that I talk to, anybody that comes in here for the very first time or, or I meet for the very first time if I'm not in, in the church or whatever, it doesn't matter. I try my best to always think the best of that person. I'm going to give you a clean slate no matter what. I don't care if you murdered somebody. I'm going to start that conversation with you like you got a clean slate, all right? Because that's what loving like Jesus looks like. There are probably people sitting in this very room you could look at and say, I don't like you, right? If we're going to be honest, and I like being honest, I like real talk, there's somebody in this room that you could say at some point in your life, I don't like you very much. Now, you might not even really know them, but you might not like them, right? You maybe don't like something they've done. You don't like what they haven't done. You don't like something that anytime you hear something uh, about them, you immediately choose to believe the wrong thing or the worst about them. We all do that, right? You may have that person in your life, but aren't you glad? Oh man, I am so glad that God is not doing that with you. We taught last week that in Christ, our sins, our failures, our mistakes have been thrown into the deepest ocean. He went, boop, he threw the record book out the window, is gone, no more, it's not coming back, it's all gone. The scorecard for our failure is out of here. And when we accept that and enter into that life-changing relationship with Jesus, he's not looking at us holding assumptions of our life before against us. And he asks us not to do it with each other. Now, Paul isn't telling us to be gullible and naive. That's not what he's saying here. There's some things we must always disbelieve, all right? There's going to be people in your life that you know, after you've heard them enough times, you're going to know whether you can trust them or not. And it's not to say you should always trust everything all the time. You should be, have wisdom in your decisions. But his point, rather, 
is that love strives to be generous and accepting rather than cynical and suspicious. That's the difference. Love like Jesus gives people the benefit of the doubt until all the facts are known. Love isn't undiscerning or indiscriminating. Paul simply wants to say that love holds us back from always assuming the worst about someone or always jumping to the premature conclusion that they're wrong or they're motivated by selfish concerns. Again, that's the exact opposite of the way most of us in this culture grow up loving. Most of us assume the worst. Most of us come in guard up, right? You're coming in to box somebody, right? You're coming in putting your hands up because you know if you don't have your hands up, you're going to get a jab in the face and you're going to be put in a bad spot. Love like Jesus comes in like this. and says, I, I, you, you may be bad, good, I don't know, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt first. And if I had to take a hit on the face to do it, so be it. I love you that much, but I'll love you first. Three, love hopes all things. This is the third point. He's, he's not talking about a hope that says, I'd like to have a million dollars. I hope I get it. That's not the type of hope he's talking about. Biblical hope has its roots in God. It has its roots in something that is of substance. The book of Hebrews tells us that real hope is focused on a reality that is certain, that though you haven't been able to even to see it yet, that we know for sure that it is there. When I preached a few weeks back, I was talking about the certainty of knowing the faith that we have and the, and the promise that we have in Christ. And I said that, hey, we live in Palinol. We know that train's going to come through. We know that horn's going to ring. And I know that just as soon as I hear that horn come around from New York or hear it come from Mass, I know eventually the train's going to run by my house, right? We are as certain in that horn and the train as I am as the cross, the resurrection, and Jesus and eternal life for our lives that we know that the cross was real, that Jesus died for us, and that hope and promise that we have in him drives us forward in his love. God has an, a hope and an opportunity for you this morning. The things in your life aren't final. Let me say that again. As long as we're in God's love, as long as we're in God's grace, as long as he still rules the world, which will be from now until forever, our failure is never final. There will be people who will write you off. There will be people in your life, probably already have, written you off, who say, oh, they'll never amount to anything, or they'll always be that, whatever that is, right? They'll never give you an amount of credit. They'll never give you an ounce of grace or mercy. You are just, whatever it is in their lives, you are that forever. But we believe here what the Bible says that by God's love and God's grace, your failure, my failure, is never the end. Never the end. It doesn't matter how much you've blown it. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're a failure. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're broken. It doesn't matter if you feel like you can't go on and understand this. Your failure is not final because of who God is and what he can do in your life. Not what I can do. Not what my money can do for you. Not what this church as a family can do for you. What God has done and what he will do is what is certain in this life. Loving like Jesus means that even when your faith and trust gets broken in someone, you can find your assurance in your life and theirs through the certain hope that God isn't done yet. Our belief in Jesus means no man or woman is hopeless. John MacArthur puts it this way, the rope of love's hope has no end. As long as there is life, love does not lose Loving like Jesus means always pointing to a brighter day ahead. 
It is the lifeline that the hurting can hold on to. Next one, love endures all things. Love believes, love hopes, love also endures. The word for endure in this phase is, is a military term. I love military terms because I was in the military, right? And so if you've been in the military, you kind of understand this. You know, when an army moves in and holds a strategic area, this is, the, this is the Greek term we have here. They take it by force, and they're determined to hold it no matter the cost, right? That is the love that endures, right? They will hold that until the last man, no matter what, because they have an order to hold that spot, right? That is God's love in our lives, that he holds on to us no matter what the cost. Through Christ, you are here in his big giant hand that I can't even fathom. You are here, never to be let go, never to be let go. And he calls on us to hold each other in our arms no matter what the cost. Every hardship, every suffering, every inconvenience is endured completely. Now, earlier in this letter, Paul has spoken to, to the Corinthian church and the believers there regarding endurance. He said, when you're reviled, we bless. When you're persecuted, we endure. Such perseverance in the face of opposition can come only from the love of God rooted in the heart because our natural inclination, whenever somebody persecutes us, when somebody gives us grief, when somebody is constantly on our case, is not to love, is not to endure, is to either run away or beat them up, right? It's fight or flight. That's what our natural response is. What God says is, I will endure beyond your persecution. I will endure beyond your reviling. I will endure beyond anything you can throw at me because I don't, I don't have to, to wait on your love. I have a love that transcends all things, who holds me and never will let me go, who endures all things. I am certain. I am certain of that hope and trust and love and is never going to let me go. Enduring is not a passive act. I think that's the other thing we think of, right? You think, oh, I got to endure it. It means, well, I got to sit here and take it. I just got to sit here and let people roll over me, right? If I'm going to love like Jesus, it means you just got to be, a, be a, uh, you know, just a, the, the concrete and let people just roll over me day after day after day. That's endurance, I guess, but that's not. Endurance in the biblical sense is an act of courage to conquer whatever keeps us from going forward. It's a call for strength. It's not a call for relaxation and passiveness. It's a call to push on in the face, in the face of opposition and persecution. It's enduring actively. Loving like Jesus requires us to hold fast and love, to endure things at all costs, all costs. Love stands against overwhelming opposition, refuses to stop bearing, refuses to stop believing. A person with God's type of love will consistently seek what is best for his friends and his enemies alike. This is no fair weather love. It's not an off again, on again proposition, but is a commitment to always seek the highest good, no matter how tough the going gets. God's love for us doesn't quit or give up, and neither should our love for those around us. Love refuses to stop loving, which brings us to our last point. Love never ends. Time and time again, the Bible points us to this truth. God's love for us is eternal. It's hard for us to fathom as people who live in time, but it is eternal from beginning to end. 
with no end. His love for us is eternal. He chose us, it says in John 17, 24. He died for us, it says in Romans 5, 8. He will never leave us, it says in Hebrews 13, 5. Nothing can separate us from his love. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, I think I have a slide for that, Jaden. I don't have a lot of slides this morning, but I didn't have this one because I wanted you to see this one. I am convinced, Paul writes to, to other believers, he said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love never expires. Never. This is more really, than an aspect for us to emulate. All these other things that we can easily do, you can, right, easily, we can strive to do. We can strive to endure. We can strive to hope all things, believe all things, trust all things. We can do those things, and we're called to. But this one is an aspect to motivate because the certainty that the everlasting love of God is what gives us the spring that we can draw from to love others with confidence. If I know that love like God means that he is never, ever, 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 ever going to stop loving me, then that means I can never, ever, ever stop loving you. I never have a source to go back to and say, Lord, I, I don't know if you love me today. I don't know if I can love if you don't love me. I don't have to worry about that. He's got me. He's got you. And I can love the unlovable because I got that connection going on, right? His love never ends. It's that confidence that we should cling to. Now, while God's love never ends, this series does. And so we've been four weeks here in how we love like Jesus. And I pray it's been a blessing for you. If you ever want to go back and listen to any of these, I encourage you to do that. The podcast at Faith Church VT, you can look it up on iTunes or uh, Google Podcasts or anywhere else. I encourage you to do that and review these at any time you want to. But I pray that it's been a blessing and encouragement to you. But more than that, I pray that it helps to equip you. Because loving like Jesus is so hard. It's so hard. But loving God as he loves us and loving others the same with this crazy, this radical, this countercultural, never let go love is what sets us apart. That's it. We might not be, have the most money in town. We might have the most influence in town. We might not have the best clothes in town. We might have the best cars in town. All those things won't set us apart as a church, as a body of Christ. What will set us apart is that kind of love, is that kind of love, because that's rare, that's precious. It's one of the weapons, really, with which we fight against the darkness of this world. It's one of the tools that we use to repair the brokenness in our relationships, and we need a fresh outpouring of that every single day from Jesus to continue to be effective. We have to have it. Now, maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've never experienced a love like that. Maybe you've never experienced a love that endures. Maybe you've never experienced a love that never quits, a love that never protects, a love that never gives life everlasting. But God's love does all those things. It never quits. It always protects. It gives us life everlasting. It always endures. It does all those things. I know some mothers who don't even love like that. And I love my mom, <laughs> and she loves me. But there's some limits to human love. God's love has no limits. No limits. 
if you've never experienced a love like that, the best thing I can offer you, the only thing really I can have, is to offer you that. You can have that this morning because the best part about that love is, is that it's freely given. No strings attached. And you can do that this morning by simply laying down the burdens you've been carrying. And we all carry them. Nobody here can say they haven't. You can lay down that broken love that scarred you. We all had that. And you can pick up the freedom that's found in Jesus. Amen. We'll get him, give you the opportunity in just a minute. For those who are striving to love like Jesus this morning, it's time to reaffirm that love in two ways. Here's a challenge for you. I'd like to give you an action step. I'd like to give you a challenge. So we're going to give you a couple of things this morning to take with you. So go ahead and hit that last one, please. Jadon, thank you, sir. All right. So two things we need to do this morning. One, we need to reaffirm God's love to you and yours to him. So if you already have that relationship with Jesus this morning, that is the time this morning, right now, we're going to pray in just a sec, for you to reaffirm that God loves you. Never let go, never quit kind of love. And you need to reaffirm that love back to him. And two, you need to find somebody today, not necessarily this morning, but at some point today, don't go to sleep without doing it, that you've already made a commitment to love, all right? You already said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be in this with you, all right? Now that can be a child, right? That can be a parent, that can be a grandparent. That can be anything, any kind of relationship you're in. It doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship, right? It's whatever, whatever kind of relationship you're in. It could be somebody in this church that you know that you've been you're getting closer to and connected with more. Well, whoever it is, I want you to find that person. I want you to reaffirm that commitment to them. I want you to tell them that you're going to love them like Jesus loves them, with a love that protects, trusts, hopes, and never quits. So I pray that you do that before you, before your head hits your pillow tonight.